This is the Black Belt the Podcast, and you're listening to episode 18. Today's guest is Isabel Shander. Isabel is one of the top female competitors within ITF Taekwondo right now. She's been a world champion and a two-time European champion. She's represented both Sweden and Norway at major tournaments. And today I speak to Isabel about the highs, as well as some of the inevitable struggles that come with high-level competition. Really enjoyed this chat, and hope you do too. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe, as well as letting me know you're listening on social media. So let's get into it. Uh, what's up, Isabel? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, how is how is uh, with Sweden at the moment? I'm right in saying I've been seeing on the news that like it's the, it's pretty much as normal. Everything's life is as normal during this coronavirus. Yeah, it's sort of normal. I mean. People are working from home a lot, but other than that, it's it's quite the same actually. Except we're not in the clubs training; we're outside training. But other than that, it's it's good. Yeah, because is there a lot of cases or deaths, or is it just is it fairly low at the moment? Uh, it's quite low. It's um, it's not too much of a case right now. I mean, the hospitals are quite busy, but other than that, it's just life is normal, which is kind of a good feeling. But yeah. I can imagine it's worse other places. <laughs> yeah, how have you find moving the classes to outside? It's actually been quite good. I mean, um, we've had a lot of luck with the weather because it's spring here. So the sun's out and the weather's all good. So people are actually quite happy about not having to be inside a dojang when the sun's out because Sweden's usually quite grey and rainy. So they're happy about that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, do you, what do you think about Euros being cancelled? Do you think we'll, uh, it'll be rescheduled or...? I hope it will. I mean, uh, I'm I'm quite bummed out that it's that it's moved and capsuled, but it's for good reason. So, but I hope it's I hope we'll be given a new chance because I mean a lot of people have prepared for a long time, and I know we had a a few new juniors, especially that are really wanting to go. So yeah, what about you guys? You think it's think it's bad? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be. Uh, no. I think it's going to be called off, and I just. By the time everything starts to get back to normal and people can get back training, I think it's going to be too late, and like it'll be you know too close to the World Cup, and maybe if they yeah. do have people will decide just just won't attend, and there's all these sorts of things. So I think it's just going to get cancelled for this year, which is a shame. It's a shame, yeah, it definitely is. But what do you think about the World Cup? You think that's going to still get going, or you think they'll cancel that as well? Uh, I'm very. I'm hoping it's going to go ahead, but I like I I, I don't think it's likely at the moment. Like no, I said, no. If it continues like this, I don't think it'll be going. No. Yeah, it's just because like that. It's it's fine to say we'll, we'll uh, it you'll to host the event, but if people haven't been training, are they going to attend? And then if they don't exactly, if attend, then what's the point? You know, if it's only going to be, you know, five and six people or ten people in divisions, what's the point in having? It's not a World Cup, then it's just. Mickey Mouse tournament really. just like it exactly yeah no no I mean especially people that that are used to fighting and competing at a certain level will I don't think they'll want to compete if they haven't trained or done what they usually do before competitions because I mean it's a lot of pressure for everyone and you want to be in the ring and do your best and if you haven't been able to do that then you're not going to attend <laughs> Uh, were you were you pl- were you going to to fight at this Euros? Because I know you didn't you didn't fight in individual in the last one. No, I was going to fight this Euros. Yeah, last Euros I had a bit of a I was unlucky with um, yeah well sickness. I got sick. I got the flu before the Euros during the the lineup to the last weeks. So I was just there as a coach, and then I was on the team just to back the girls up. But this time I was going to compete individually as well, yeah. And I was really looking forward to it because I wanted to sort of uh, try to fight my way back to the top again. <laughs> yeah, but did, did you find it hard watching the division? I did, yeah. It was really hard. I sort of broke down crying halfway in between because, I mean, yeah, you love this. You have a passion for it. And it was hard. It was really hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I don't know, like any, any time, like, like I had an injury in 2016 before the World Cup. Mm. And you kind know, of watching the live stream and looking at the draws and stuff was kind of how you kind of think, ah, oh, you want to be there. Yeah, you really do. And I mean, as you said, you want you give this sport everything you have, and you really like live for it. So not being able to compete when you know you want to and when you have the capacity, usually you're it, yeah, it sucks. 
Right, so how did you actually get started in started in Taekwondo? It's actually quite a funny story because um, I was the first and only one in my family <laughs> who did sort of martial arts. Everybody else was swimmers. And uh, me and my father were outside one day when I was in the States because uh, we lived there for a while. And I saw some people training outside like we're doing now. Um, and I said, Dad, that's what I want to do. I want to start with that. Taekwondo seems fun. And since then, I've just kept on going. And that's 21 years ago. So I was five when I started, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you have a big family then? Many? Yeah, in my family, we're just four. But I mean, I have a lot of cousins, a lot. My parents have a lot of siblings and stuff. So we're quite a big family in that way. But uh, my sister started kickboxing a few years back because she liked that a lot. But she was sort of inspired when I when it went well for me. She wanted to do something else, but Taekwondo wasn't really her thing. So, but we we trained a lot together. Mm, yeah, <laughs> she. Good. Uh, oh yeah, no, she. Um, she said that she couldn't compete with me in Taekwondo, so then she didn't want to try it. She wanted her sport for herself. So I get that. <laughs> And when you started training in America, was that, was that it was ITF Taekwondo as well? Was it or was it? No, I did one year. The first year I did was WTF, um, but then we moved back to Sweden, and I started ITF there in the club that I'm still in now today, Fralunda, which is quite cool. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's quite lucky, I suppose, that there was a, an ITF club fairly close by to where you moved to. Yeah, that was really good because I'm happy. I'm happy I, I went through with the ITF because I feel like it's it's given me more. It's a more diverse sport and I feel like you could you can connect it with many more other ones and it's easier to fight. I mean, we've had camps where we've trained with Thai boxers, kickboxers and stuff like that and seeing as we use our hands as well, it's it gives us more of a fair fight. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> did, did you compete straight away as a, as a color belt? Did you get into competing early? Yeah, I started when I was a yellow belt. So um, we had these, <clears throat> sorry, children competitions. Um, and uh, it didn't really go very well at first, but I thought it was fun. But I was sort of the small one of the smaller kids because I've always been quite light and skinny. I've been tall, but not very, very tough that way. So it didn't, yeah, it didn't go the way I planned for the first couple of like 10 years. <laughs> but then it got better. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> just kept on going. It's it's a good thing I thought it was fun, even though I lost a lot. But yeah, I think you learn a lot from losing as well. And I mean, as a child, you're just supposed to think it's fun. It doesn't really matter if you win or lose. It's just you're supposed to do it because you like it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Would you have preferred maybe? Because like I don't like when I was a color belt, I obviously better in patterns. I would have much preferred patterns to sparring. But no, as it kind of got went up through the levels, it's kind of flipped around now to where I be more of a, a sparring where I'm only sparring really at the moment so would you have had anything similar like that would you have been more one than the other yeah I, I, I sort of always liked sparring though but it sort of flipped because now that I turned uh, now that I got, after I got my black belt I sort of thought that the patterns were much more fun than the color belt ones especially when I got my second degree I thought they were they were quite interesting seeing as they were really hard <laughs> a lot of jumps a lot of balance a lot of technique and that was sort of fascinating so that's why I started competing in patterns as well when I became a senior because I didn't really do that before. But it's cool. But sparring's always been the number one thing. I mean, that's the most fun, I think. It's the most action. Yeah. Well, even it's interesting though, like uh, you said, maybe not so much success as a color belt that, that you didn't get disheartened as, like, as to, like, before, by the time you got the black belts, you hadn't thought, like, oh, I'm not really good at that. I'm going to. I've got the black belt now I'm going to pack that in because I find like sometimes you know people get the black belt and if they haven't been overly successful as a color belt they might decide that okay I've achieved my goal now I've got black the black belt I'm going to actually I'm going to stop and maybe do something else and focus on something else. Yeah no I mean for me it's always been more about the sort of taekwondo family which has always kept me going because I've had all my friends there and it's been sort of my safe place. So it's been where I've gone if I've had good days, bad days, if I just want to hang out. So it's been more than just a sport. It's been like, yeah, second home, which I think has helped a lot, even though I didn't get to like the level I wanted to as a color belt. I just kept going when, when I became a black belt because there was like, I never thought about quitting. I just wanted to keep going and see how far I could get. 
Yeah, like I've said, to, I said, I said quite a lot. Is like for me anyway, fifty percent of the reason I, I compete and want to compete at this level is the fact of the people I, I, I train with, um, I train with every day. People you see at the, like our, our squad sessions, the people you go on the trip with, and the you, in, the enjoyment you have on those trips along with trying to be a world champion, a European champion, and everybody like that is pushing in the same direction, trying to achieve the same goal. That's where I get half the enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done it for like 21 years if I didn't think it was fun outside of the competition. And I mean, half the point is all my friends, all the people you meet, all the experiences outside of the ring as well. And then, I mean, the competitions are, the rounds are like two minutes and the pattern isn't much longer than that. So, I mean... If you just live for those small moments, you wouldn't you wouldn't get a lot of it, like out of it in the long run. Yeah, so, it's a, yeah, it's a very narrow focus. I suppose. And if it's just about if it's only about standing on top on the top step of the podium, it's like obviously that's a big focus and is a major part of it. But if it's the only focus, then I think it, you you start to lose interest. Well, I, I would start to lose interest fairly fairly fast. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I'd be able to keep myself motivated for a longer period of time. And I mean, especially during the like trainings towards a, uh, a big championship, you need your friends and you need your support. You need the like family feeling because otherwise you're not going to be there doing that extra, pushing that extra mile every day because you're not going to enjoy it as much. 100%, yeah. And so like then when did you first get onto the national team then? I got onto the national team in 2009. So it's a few years ago now. Uh, and it was right after I got my <laughs> got my black belt. Um, so because I'd been to the tryouts before as a red belt for just because we have um, when you're a red belt, you can go and try out and then you can train with them for a year before you get your black belt sort of as yeah, a test a test run for seeing if you're qualifying or not. And I didn't qualify that year. So but when I got my black belt, I won the Norwegian championships that year in my weight category, which qualified me for the national team. So that was quite cool. And then 2010 was my first competition as so you a qualify, junior. You qualify, for, you qualify for the Swedish team through the Norwegian championships? Uh, I was in Norway first at that time because oh. I've moved around a lot, yeah. So my first years, and up until from 2010 to 2015, I was on the Norwegian national team because I lived in oh. Norway. Yeah, and then from 2015 on, up until now, I've been on the Swedish national team. So it's been it's been quite cool, yeah. And it, I mean, it's an interesting experience, sort of competing for two different teams because I'm I'm both Norwegian and Swedish because uh, my mom's both, and so I have both Norwegian family and Swedish family. So it's been quite cool competing for both of my home nations, if if I can say it that way. And was it has it been much of a difference between between the teams, like the the kind of setup and maybe the atmosphere in the team and. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a big difference actually. I mean, the Norwegian team is a really big team, and there are a lot of competitors in Norway, which sort of makes yeah, it makes it a quite different experience because there are a lot more people to um, that you're competing with every day and through all the competitions and stuff to keep your team in your place. So there's a bit of a a bit more competitive vibe at the same time as they're very happy, very nice, and I mean. A huge family and everybody's just sort of happy to be where they are and they're very kind and stuff but you can sort of sense that there's a bit of a more of a competitive side to it the Swedish team on the other hand is very very small and I mean there's not a lot of diversity in, in Sweden it's, it's just a few um, that are actually at that level or even want to compete at that level so the competition part of it is a lot smaller. I mean, the Norwegian Championships was almost three days long, uh, but the Swedish Championships is one day, and I mean that says a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what What do you think the reason is for for the, the Swedish national team being small? Like, is Taekwondo small in Sweden in general, or is it just maybe like like you said, people are just maybe not at that level that want and want to push for for the national team? I mean, um, Taekwondo in Sweden is quite new, I would say, um, especially at that level. There's only been a few people that have actually pushed for people to compete on a higher level in that way. And um, I mean, the, the people that are training now, a lot of them just do it for fun and they don't really want that extra 
that extra pressure or anything. And the sport is quite small. There's only, I mean, it might be big compared to others, but there's 7,000 people training in, in Sweden in total. But I mean, in only one of the clubs in Norway, the one that I was in, we were like 3,000 people in just that club. So that's quite a big difference, just that. So um, I just say the sport is smaller and then people haven't really, haven't really discovered that they can compete at a higher level. Plus the level in the Swedish national, um, I mean, it's not as high as a lot of other countries, I would say, because there's not a lot of people competing. So it's hard to build that sort of uh, same high level all round. Do you think maybe what would help is if people like yourself and maybe other people on the national team opened clubs and started to push people towards the national team? Do you think that would maybe help if you had high-level competitors start to become, I suppose, high-level coaches and open clubs with with ambitions of having people on the national team? Definitely, I think that would be. I think that would be a great help. And I mean, we've started off with uh, not opening clubs, but we have a lot of um, like sort of camps, training camps. So some of us on the national team have like, we have a few days for sparring or we have a few days where we do just power breaking and special techniques or we have just patterns, which has helped a lot as well because it, it sort of uh, sparks an interest for people to actually try to, to learn more and to become better and reach further. So, but there's a lot of us talking about starting clubs as well or actually taking over more, more like uh, training at the clubs that we're in so we can help out to build build a higher level and a bigger interest yeah i suppose like even like you said with the seminars that if you can expose people to the highest level and maybe maybe some people might come along and train with the top people on the team and realize actually they're not much better than me maybe they're a bit better but maybe i could get to that level and it might it might encourage some some people to start to push for for the national team and stuff yeah and i think i think it's a quite an important step in sort of building the the level at um and not just for the national team but i mean in sweden as a total to make because if you build a higher low level then the higher level is going to become even higher and better so and as you said i mean if people come along on the trainings and they see that they can actually compete and that they're good enough to to give us a run for our money then then i think they'd i think that yeah it gives it gives them extra motivation to continue and just push that extra mile and so the, you mentioned some of the, the the camps. Like, how would the squad session like? Is, like for us here in Ireland, we have like national team squad trainings in the lead up to a tournament, maybe once every two weeks, and maybe it could be a little bit longer between sessions. But usually, that's because there's a tournament that's been filling in the gap. Um, would it be something? Like, we're lucky. I was I had Magomed on the podcast from Norway, and he said like squad sessions are fairly uh, like they, they don't have that many. But and I think that's partly because you know Norway is so big and. It's hard for everybody to get around the country, whereas in Ireland we only we can get to the other side of the country in three hours, pretty much. So everybody can get to one location fairly easy. Like, what's the kind of setup then in in, in Sweden? Yeah, I mean, um, before a big competition, we usually have. I mean, the four months before, we have one team session a month for the national team, um, where all of us gather. But then. Um, it's a bit further for us to travel. It's like five hours by car or something like that to get to where most of the other people are. So then we usually do that half the group meet in Gothenburg or half the group meet in Stockholm because that's sort of the in-between places. Um, so it's made it easier because then we can get more, more trainings where we're not the whole team, but we're half the team sort of, which uh, makes it easier. And then, as I said, we have once a month where we're everybody on the team. So it gives you time to adjust, even though you don't get the full full on feel for the team, but you still get you still get the training you want with the people that can help you and push you. Yeah. Yeah. So then, how did you? I'm not totally sure. How did you get on then as a as a junior, um, competing on the third Norway then? Well, as a junior, I wasn't really. I actually had quite a hard time, especially individually. We were a very good team of girls. So, I mean, the last year of my junior career, we won yeah, all the team events that we were part of because the only in Norway, you're not allowed to do power break when you're a junior. But we did. So we won. And that's because of like, they don't want you to injure yourself while you're still growing, uh, which I can totally buy. It's yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do power breaking anyways, but um, that's because I work with my hands. 
<laughs> to me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. my, for me, hitting hard things is not. I don't. I don't find that enjoyable. I much prefer hitting other people. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, <laughs> I agree. I'd rather have something that hits me back than something that can hurt me, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so as a junior, I actually had a hard time, as I said, uh, individually because I was my own worst enemy. I just, um, I didn't really know how to like relax before a competition so i just freaked myself out most of the time which ended up in me losing either the first round or the second round um which yeah that was hard and i mean i think one of the reasons i continued was because of the team that we had with the girls and we were quite close and we helped each other a lot and uh, i mean we won everything the last year which was good so i still feel like i got a i got a good end to the junior junior career before I went on to the senior yeah like I was kind of similar myself like junior I didn't I didn't really wait I had well, I think what I was one individual medal and it was a bronze in patterns and I always kind of mm. I went thinking I was looking to win the sparring so it's like I maybe didn't achieve the the number one goal and like, like that it took me I, I say like I know chatting to a lot of people they've said that their first tournament is often like an eye opener to the level you have to get to and, and then for, and it's kind of maybe the second or third as you progress on that you might win a medal but for mm. me it nearly, it nearly took three or four tournaments before not just the first one it took three or four before I was able to get myself into the right place maybe mentally to, to go through a few rounds um, no so but yeah. it was it was yeah it was the same for me I mean it's but it, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure to start competing especially at that level because it's you can't compare that to anything you've done before I mean, you have the small competitions or you go to like a smaller cup or something like that. But once you're there in the European Championships or the World Championships, I mean, it's it's something else. It really gives you, yeah, it like it can wash over you like a wave. Yeah, so, like yeah. That, that's interesting what you say, like as well, that um, winning the team medals can make, make like often made it feel that it, it wasn't the worst championships. And I kind of had that as well. And I think it happens to quite a, a lot of people is that maybe you took I know you said you won all the team events, but sometimes you see somebody just takes a bronze as part of a team patterns, a, t- a team pattern or a team sparring, and suddenly like the, the how the championship is remembered is remembered way better because they were on the podium, they had a medal. It's like they maybe didn't get the medal they wanted or like the number one medal they were pushing for, but they got something and got that chance to step on the podium. So they still look back on that then with a with good memories. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's 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 quite a different experience when you win something as a team or when you like, as you said, you get a medal with a team because you have a lot of you have the other people on the team to share your your joy with, which makes it much cooler. And I mean, for me, that was worth a lot more as a junior than winning something individually. I think because I won it with some of my best friends, and I mean, that's that's quite cool. Yeah. And then, so it was a kind of a switch over even then maybe because the, the switch in focus, switching from Norway to Sweden. And I don't think Sweden would, did they have, would you have had a senior female team recently? I mean, uh, we had, um, for the last years, we had a senior female team in sparring, but uh, not for any of the other events because not a lot of people like the special techniques. Not a lot of people want to do power break like, I would have to do one of the power breaks and I mean I'd probably only do the Yopshagi, which might be okay, but I don't think we yeah, I wouldn't be able to Exactly, because you won't get yourself hurt. <laughs> no, but I mean yeah. So we usually have a a team, female team for sparring. But we it's been a long time since we have something in patterns. I don't think we've had that since two thousand thirteen when it was in Kovida in Sweden. So I mean, yeah. But it's it's also because there's not been a lot of senior females that have have competed. I mean, at times we've only been two or three, and I mean you can't you can't fill a team with that. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So do you think like so maybe that was part of like less focus on team events and a bit more focus on individual? Do you think that maybe played a part? Definitely, I think that played a part. I mean, it made me focus more on what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to get out of my training and workouts and my competition career and stuff like that because I it it puts a lot of pressure on yourself when you know that the only way you're gonna like get a medal of some sort is 
what you do not yeah yeah exactly yeah so but do you guys have a lot of team or because you you always fill the teams well uh we have big teams uh (laughs) but uh this time it was going to be a bit smaller for the europeans we had a before we the last year we were up on into the 50s and 60 odd competitors this time we were down like i think it was 38 or 39 competitors and we weren't doing team pattern we had no team patterns so that was kind of uh, the first year that that was kind of really going to happen that we were going to have no team pattern um Mm -hmm. but like that yeah we usually fill a lot of spots but recently it's been the sparring where we do where we win the medals (laughs) so yeah, but yeah, you guys are great in sparring. So I mean, it's it's always really cool to see that you that you have that many competitors at such a high level. It's it's really inspiring. So yeah, yeah on both the female was... and the male side. So that's cool. Yeah, which kind of brings me on to that. Like the the females, especially at senior level, was for years was never had that many. Like, it was very hard to get a senior female team together. Um, mm. but then we we managed to get a lot of like the juniors came through like Sarah and, and Louise and Ellen and Jet like the ones who were there now yeah before they, but when they were junior they weren't really looking up to many senior females there wasn't a lot of a, there wasn't a team so like they had to wait, kind of wait for them to push through to become seniors yeah. which is like the, do you find it hard maybe being on the team and not having a lot of other other females I, I do yeah yeah because I mean it sort of made me compare myself to to the male males on the team and I mean yeah, yeah that's not really a, a realistic goal either because I mean physically and from the anatomy of things males are always going to be a bit faster a bit stronger a bit I mean yeah especially seeing as a lot of the guys that I've been training with have been quite a lot heavier than I have so yeah, it's, it's made it quite hard, but I also think that it's it's helped me actually because I've had to push myself a bit further on the trainings, seeing as how I've been competing against them and not just against other females. But uh, yeah, I definitely miss having more females on the team and yeah, he, yeah training as well. <laughs> even just for maybe the, like I said, the enjoyment. Do you find it hard going on a trip and maybe only having a few, maybe one or two other females on the team? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean. Yeah, I, I always I get along with the guys as well, but it's it's a bit different. I mean, especially before, yeah, because you can talk to a different way with another female on the team than you might do with the the males or your coaches or something like that. So yeah, it, it might be more relaxing to have a few more few more women on the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Like, as I think that's even maybe why. So I thought we for for us back in that time there was only ever one or two females and maybe they, they mm. drop off and I, I do think maybe to some degree that that was because when you're looking around and you're the maybe the only female around or maybe there's one other it's kind of like not too enjoyable like not uh, exactly yeah and um, so like when was the first time then you took a, an individual individual medal um my first individual was in Riccione uh, 2014. That was my first uh, as a yeah both as a senior and an individual at all which was quite cool uh, so that was nice um, that, uh, in sparring that was my first one now I lied I'm sorry my other first medal was <laughs> a silver the year before at the world championships in Benidorm but that was in special techniques but that was cool as well because I mean I hadn't done anything in special techniques before that and I sort of just went along with what my coaches said that uh, you should try this as well. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll jump. And then it went yeah. a lot better than I, than I had expected. So that was quite cool. But yeah, that wasn't really what I was, what I was going for, but it was, it was nice. Yeah. So. And did, did you find, cause I, I, for myself, I kind of found this, like I said already, like didn't do massively well individually as a junior. And I nearly felt going turning senior that there was a little bit, less pressure because you know at least for the first one or two it's kind of you're maybe not expected to to win straight away did, did you find anything similar yeah yeah yeah. i definitely felt that and that was quite nice because i mean as a junior you sort of always felt like you had to you had to prove yourself because otherwise you were not going to be able to stay on the team or you might not be like put up to the senior level when you were when you returned 18 and stuff and i mean it's just kind of nice to feel that okay i'm still on the team 
but there's not a lot of pressure. I mean, I might have one or two competitions where it doesn't go as well, but it's kind of nice being the underdog as well because, I mean, yeah, nobody's expecting anything, actually, so it's cool. <laughs> it's a lot different if you're 18 and it's maybe your third or fourth championships and you're, you're maybe expected more to win, but like you said, when you turn senior, you could be going against somebody who's 30, it's like who has 15 years experience and you're kind of going as well there's not really i'm not really expected to win there so so like that it does take some pressure off and anytime you can take pressure off and, and relax yourself is always a is a benefit yeah i mean it, it makes you sort of yeah chill in every different way and i mean the the mental part of taekwondo and any sport is quite important because i mean if you're not there mentally you're not going to achieve anything because you're just going to sort of shut down or lock off and i mean yeah it's it's nice when you don't have pressure because you're not sort of freaking yourself out either because you know that as you said i mean some of the first people i met it's like after i'd been in the ring with them my coaches are like do you know who that was and i'm like no i i've heard her name yeah well she's world champion from that and that and i'm like okay yeah cool that's good <laughs> then i know why i didn't win then i mean that's fine <laughs> so yeah was there many changes like like to improve your to improve and change your mindset to like to go for maybe the first or second round to to push into the medals did you change anything or was there any kind of was there any light bulb moment that everything kind of clicked there's been quite a few actually i mean there's um there's been both um physical and mental changes since i was a junior the year that i um won my first uh championship in sparring 2014 after that was after i'd been at a school in norway where everything you do is taekwondo so all i'd been doing was training taekwondo for like 24 7 and i mean that helped a lot as well because it gave me more confidence and it made me believe in myself that okay i know i've trained enough i know i'm in a great shape the best shape of my life and i have a full support team a safety net everything and um it just sort of it clicked when I came to the competition and the arena that I was like, okay, I was, I was feeling calm because I knew what I'd done. I knew that my lineup and the training I'd been doing up until that point was more than enough and it was better structured than anything I'd have ever, like, ever done before. But also we'd been working quite a lot on um, sort of situations where we weren't really comfortable and we'd been pushing each other to relax in those moments and in those situations as well and i mean that helped me a lot in um in all situations i i encountered during the competition from getting to the arena and you feel the nerves to warming up to stepping onto the ring and then yeah everything how about you you've experienced something like that yeah i found and it, it took me a, a little bit a little trial and error i kind of found because like i found like I went I went that like in that European Championships in 2013 in Sweden. Mm. I got to the final, but then the World Championships, I lost first round, and then I got to the final, then I lost first round, and then it was kind of yeah. it took me a while. And I kind of realized what I was doing. Like, turning up on the day of a competition, I found the times I lost first round, I was I was watching all these other fights going on, and I was watching mm. other events, and all of a sudden I started thinking, oh, Jesus, am I ready now? Like, am I am I sharp enough? And and mm. I started putting some doubt in my head and. I started, so then I started building up then and and I found in a couple of times and it was nearly by accident a couple of times I had meddled and done well I d ended up by nearly complete accident not watching any spars actually just turning mm. up and like, whether it was falling taking a nap in the arena or just going to the warm-up area it was kind of like not seeing anybody else competing and just focus on my one match yeah. that I was coming up it helped a lot to, so then I kind of made that a conscious effort to like in 2015 in Scotland mm. to I'm actually going to get to go there and I'm not going to watch any Taekwondo in the morning. I'm just going to go to the warm up area and chill out there. And thankfully mm. it worked. So, so it's kind of like, it was, it took a bit of time for it like that to, to really, like I said, learn how to deal with the nerves going to the arena and before getting on the floor and stuff. Now, like it's not so much a thing now because I nearly feel like I've so much experience and I'm so used to it. And that it's like, and the fact that I can look back on that, I've had some success. It's kind of like, I, I, I know I'm good enough. You know, that's kind of the way I feel without sounding like, big headed or anything it's like you just have to have, no, a, no, I... have that belief but that's how i feel now it's not so much a thing but for a while and for a bit of time it was yeah 
No, but I can I can relate to that. I mean, I'm not to sound like a douche or anything, but I'm like the most selfish person ever on the day I'm going to compete, especially in sparring. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see any fights. I don't want to hear anything about how the sparring's going or who's there or who's done well or anything. So I just sort of plug my music in and do my own thing. And I mean, it's worked. So yeah, I think you need to be in your own bubble sort of before a competition. It yeah just focus yourself 100 i'm the same yeah it's like before i would have been you know all caught up in oh like there's this really good match in the minus 70 kilo first division i want to see that match and mm-hmm. then you know you just get silly things that you get caught up in whereas now like you said yeah it's on the day i'm competing it's selfish i mightn't i don't care who's on maybe in the morning if i'm not on till the afternoon i'm staying in bed i'm making sure i get breakfast or whatever it's like it's about me that day and I, I feel like yeah, you, do, I agree. you do need to have that focus on the day you're competing because there's like that you get one shot at it, you get one. It's you know, it's you have to make sure that when you step on the floor for the first match that you're fully prepared because you're not getting a second chance and all the, the weeks of training could be gone could be gone for for not and not get to perform your best. Yeah, I know. I mean it's you have to be on point from the start because there's no doers. I mean it's winner or lose. That's the way it is yeah so yeah i think that you but i feel like did you find like the, after I, I only kind of found for myself that you know there was a, maybe like i said watching divisions and certain things like that that it was only like on reflection after it took me for like four tournaments to realize like it wasn't something i kind of realized after one tournament did, did you kind of have anything like that where it was like it was it wasn't maybe immediately after a tournament you felt oh i need to do this better or maybe i should change this it maybe took to look back on three or four years or three or four competitions to kind of go, do you know what, actually, I, that's not working. No, it was sort of actually after, um, after 2013 in uh, Sweden, I sort of realized that I was so nervous when I was watching other people's fights on the day before my fight that I was sitting there shaking. And I just realized that this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not a state that's good before my competition or my time in the ring. And I just, after that, I, I reflected upon it and I talked to my coach and he was like, well, maybe you shouldn't be in the arena at all before your fight, just get there and go to the warm-up area, like you said. And it was sort of an eye-opener because I didn't realize how much energy I was taking for myself because I was just there to support my teammates. Or like you said, there's a cool match and the cool matchup between the guys in minus 70 or something else. Or, I mean, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can watch that later because especially now with all the live streams and stuff if i want to go back and see something i can watch it after my fight i don't have to give it the time before yeah, yeah. probably you probably didn't miss 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 much in terms of like yeah maybe it was a great match but you know it was it was it worth losing your match for just just to see it you know it's it's not really worth it no it never is and i mean it's just this it's it's cooler if i win my match than if somebody else wins their match i mean yeah. Not to be selfish or anything, but in that moment, it's yeah. That's what means the most. That's why I'm there. So. Yeah. So then, when was the first time you you won gold? You. Uh, I'm right. Gold so, indi- individually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was um that was 2014 in the European Championships. Um. So, uh, it was in sparring. Yeah, minus 68. That was quite cool. Uh, that was the first time, yeah, and I didn't really expect it, but it was just one of these competitions where you've done the training before, you're in a good state, like mentally, and it just the flow was just amazing. I mean, I went from fight from fight, and it just felt like my energy never like wore off, and I could move fast, and my legs never felt heavy, and it was just this amazing, big, cool feeling where I just felt like I was, yeah, like unbeatable, and well, I won, so. <laughs> That feeling was right, so it was cool, yeah. And uh, how, how many matches did you have at that tournament? Uh, I think it was five, yeah, five. Would that have I been mean, the first time you fought five matches? Yeah, that was the first time it fought five matches in a row like that, yeah. Which was cool, and I mean, as I said, it's it was. I thought I was going to be more tired after that, but after every fight I was winning, I just gave myself more energy, which was also very cool. So it's, it was just an amazing feeling. And I mean, I remember when, when they like put my hand up and everything and it's like, they told me I'd won. I didn't really believe it for a second, 
So it took a while for the like feeling to hit. So when I went off the like mat and took my helmet off, I was like, did this really happen? Or am I just like imagining everything? So yeah. yeah. yeah five matches. I felt like it's 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 tough for you, five matches. I've only because I remember the world the world championships in Ireland thinking it's like uh, that was the first time I'd ever had I've had five matches at a tournament like that. So mm. uh as all the times in '57, it was either it was it was four matches, so I had four yeah. for the final winner lose. I had four, so I, that one was the first yeah. time I had five. And it's it is tough like, to go five matches and, and win five in a row. Is it, it's on the same day? It's a tough achievement. Like so, like yeah, no, it's it's it was really. I mean, I felt it in the evening when I like was coming down from my high. I was like, okay, I'm really tired, and I'm like, it was painful in places, and you know, it was like a bit. Yeah, you could you could feel that where you're it's martial art and you get hit. So yeah. <laughs> and I was bruised in like my ear and under my eye and I hadn't even noticed that before. And I mean, yeah, it was just cool, but exhausting at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well th- those aches and pains take the, the winning feeling to another level then because it, it feels worth yeah. it. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely, yeah. And I mean it's nice to have a few prizes like with the bruises and stuff. You're like, okay, I've actually been in the ring, I've actually fought. It's yeah. It's an awesome feeling. Yeah. So then, like the the worlds in Ireland, did you have five matches there as well? No, I had four, but it was it was actually quite a weird day for me, competitive wise, because I started out uh, early in the morning, uh, and then so I was in the arena for the start of the day, but then our fights got pushed back, so I was all warmed up and ready to go, and then they pushed them back a few hours. So I was like, okay. So then I had to relax back down, sort of catch my breath again and um then i got one match before they broke off to lunch so then i had i was like warmed up again <laughs> and then i had to cool back down try to eat something because i mean on the day of the competitions i'm usually so nervous i can't i can't eat anything more than like half a banana but i knew that it was going to be a long day so that was yeah it was weird and then after lunch i got two fights and then they told me that um since it was me in Ireland in the final, uh, they wanted to have it on the gala. So then I had to wait until the evening again. So it was like the whole day I was in the arena and I just remember being so tired when I was going up for the final and when I was going to warm up that I was, I just wanted it to sort of be over. But at the same time, I knew that, okay, it's now or never. It's like either I give it my all now or I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to bring this home. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was something similar. Like I started, maybe started eleven, and I had a first round because I was one of the. I, was, I think there was maybe four matches in the first round, mm. and then everybody else got about. And I was one of those matches, so I was going to have a match. But then the person who had who I would have been fighting, who would have had the boy, the that I would have been fighting next day had a boy, but it was from mm. a country. I cannot remember the country for the life of me, but they weren't there. So I had a boy okay. in the second round, and I was at the mm. bottom of the draw, or at the bottom of the draw. So I came down the top. I had a match. It went over, and then it was back up to the top. Came down, draw, buy, and I had to go back up the top. So it was like between my first match and second match was like two hours, and then like you said, and I had two back to back, two quick matches, and then it broke for lunch. And it was like the mm-hmm. semi final after lunch, where I have a break again because the finals is going to be. So it's another break for another hour or so. So like that is like started at eleven and like ended up fighting the final at five o'clock. And like there was a lot of warm yeah. up down. And I remember even at the break in the final, like, my hamstring was just cramping up. Like I was saying to uh, Adrian, my coach, I was like, my hamstring here is it's cramping up. Like even just bouncing and anytime I went to push off. So I was like, all that warming up and cooling down, like, it didn't really help. But No, like, no, I, I, I just get through yeah, it. I, hmm? Sorry. <laughs> you just get through it nearly. Like, you know, you're just going to have to put it out of your head and you say, like, just give it everything and see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I remember that as well. Like, during the break in the final i told arto my coach he's like oh, how do you feel you feel good and i was like no i don't <laughs> like my legs are so heavy i feel like i can't breathe i'm really tired and he's like okay you know what just like shut up for a while because this is like it's two more minutes of your life you can be tired after the fight and i'm like yeah you're right i can be tired after but I, yeah i was exhausted and i just remember like when i saw that i was in the lead the last five seconds of the fight, I just started crying. So I couldn't really see what I was doing for the last last few seconds. And I was just really afraid of, and it's quite weird, 
I was really afraid of stepping too close to the edge and falling off like <laughs> the center ring, seeing <laughs> yeah. as it's high up. Yeah, so that was my fear the last few seconds of the fight. It's like, please don't fall off because I don't want to make a fool out of myself. <laughs> so. Yeah, five seconds was kind of even from myself in the final where I kind of felt like I, I had stepped out. And you see, and I remember looking at the clock, and I'm seeing five, and I'm thinking, right, okay, there's four, okay. And then I saw like five, four, three, and I'm thinking, right, mm -hmm. three seconds. But obviously, the warning was still going on, so the clock was still running. But in my head, it was like I have three more seconds to fight, and it was kind of funny. Then I yep. hit zero, and I'm like, oh, he can't go again. It's all, it's, it's that kind of thing. Of, oh, it's over. It's just, yeah, just, it's done. <laughs> so uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if I, did, did you find any more pressure maybe fighting Ireland in the final in Ireland? Going against uh, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, I did. I mean. Um, I felt like everybody was cheering for Mae because, uh, yeah. But they I mean, were. obviously, there's <laughs> they were, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard all the movies and stuff that I've watched after, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's yeah. I was used to being the underdog there because I'd just come back from, like, uh, two years of injury. So I, was, I wasn't expecting anything myself. I was actually really surprised to make it through the first round. Uh, and I was definitely not expecting ending up in the final. But when I when I was in the final, I I know I said to myself in the ring, it's like it's, it's now or never. But it was it was a surreal experience, and it was really weird feeling everybody cheer for for Ireland and sort of yeah hoping for you to lose. <laughs> but in one way, it it was yeah that sort of motivated me more because I was like, okay, now I'm gonna prove everybody everybody wrong. But yeah, and I mean, I think Maeve's an amazing fighter, and she, uh, yeah. I always have thought she is, so it's it was really fun. It was a really fun fight, and it was it was hard because I mean she's so tall and her legs are like everywhere, and she's yeah. It was it was hard, but it was cool. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a, it was a good match. Yeah, like that was a, we we had that run of all the Ireland bit, like the, all the the Ireland girls getting to the final. It was uh and uh, people like you them were spoiling it and and winning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, no, but it was it was fun, yeah. But I had the same thing when we were in um, Slovenia the year after for the yeah. Euros. I went, uh, I ended up in the final against Slovenia against Ursa. So it was the same thing all over again. In Ireland, everybody was cheering for Maeve, and in Slovenia, everybody was cheering for Ursa. And I mean, it sort of feels like that works out for me. So. <laughs> yeah. You find like that, then maybe, like you said already, like, that takes some pressure off going into the final. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, again, it feels like nobody nobody's expecting you to win because everybody's cheering for the other person. So it sort of, yeah. yeah, it helped me relax, and it just, I just got to do my thing. Nobody screaming and shouting at me. I just, I could focus <laughs> on what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> so you called in like, what does a what would a, a training what would your training schedule look like? If it was a, I suppose a normal week and get training for a, a championships, what would a what would a training week look like? Uh, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, I do Taekwondo because uh, that's uh, usually how our, our trainings are scheduled. Uh, and then in the mornings, I usually go out for a run. Uh, so either I go a few kilometers or I do intervals or, or stairs or hill, something like that. It depends on what I feel like after the training the night before. And then uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I usually do like. Um, strength training so i do conditioning and stuff like that which is i feel it's very important both for yeah especially since i've had a few injuries and stuff i want to keep keep my body strong as well and then saturdays are usually just for that's my my day off usually because I, I need a day off as well because you need your body to recover and sometimes i've been flexible with that as well that if i feel like on a wednesday that my body's not where i want it to be for a training i'd switch around and then i do the training on saturday instead because there's always somebody who wants to train. There's always people around, so it usually works out well. Yeah, it was interesting you saying it as well. Because uh, Hong Hong posted on the, the TKD Journal. I don't know if you mm. saw it earlier on today, and saying that he took a that one of the things he did for the Euros and uh, just last year in 2019 was he he added in a rest day and making sure he he stuck to the rest day, which I think mm. because I even knowing myself, it can be it can be hard to stick to a rest day because you feel like that. Well, I'm sitting here resting, and maybe other people are training, but it's it, it, it's you need that rest day to let the body recover. Yeah, I mean you really do because if you push your body too far, you're not going to get the 
the recovery that you need and then you might end up injured instead because you're not giving your body enough time to adjust the training you're doing or to just relax and rebuild yeah and is strength and conditioning is that something you would have always done or was it something you kind of introduced at at some point that That was something i I really started with um like 2014 when i was at that school in norway because then we did a lot of that during our trainings as well because uh, during that year, everything I did was Taekwondo. I mean, we had two and a half hours of Taekwondo training every morning, and then we had one or two hours after lunch as well. And then in the evenings, we had strength training or some sort of conditioning or something like that. So it was, it was quite an eye-opener because I realized that I needed that as well, especially since I've been tall, but I've been quite light. Like, I've not been in a, a heavy category. I know that my body... It's working harder than maybe the muscles I've been able to, to uh, yeah, take. So I need, yeah. I needed more, yeah, I needed more strength to be able to cope with that because I felt like my hips were giving out, my knees were giving out, and I mean, you, you sort of need both of those to be able to do taekwondo. So, yeah. yeah. How about you? You do a lot of strength. Uh, something I've added in, like I've, I would have done a lot more before because just. Mm-hmm. I enjoy going to the gym. Well, it was something I wasn't doing for a lot of time. Um, just wasn't something I did a lot of. And then I added in where mm. I was doing a lot of it because I just enjoy it. Uh, yeah. And uh, now it's something I do like, three times a week at some point. And like there for the lead up to this one, it was I was doing it twice a week. So something mm. I feel like is important to to have in. But uh, yeah, it's been up and down. Like I said, I if I could, and if I if I if it wasn't going to affect my if I was going to take time from taekwondo training, I'd love to be going to the gym six days a week. It's but yeah. you know that that time that you could be spending improving your taekwondo performance and you know so muscles for go versus muscles for show. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know, I agree. <laughs> but I mean, that's something of the um, of the thing I noticed when when I started because I do I do powerlifting, so sort of the more explosive things like snatches and cleans and jerks and stuff. And I noticed that it improved both my sparring and my patterns because my body was just a lot quicker in both reacting and it was stronger as well. So it, it was quite cool to see the improvement when I started doing it more structured to see how um, what a difference it made for me as a Taekwondo competitor compared to before when I wasn't doing anything of it. And do you program for yourself then or do you have somebody who kind of programs for you and looks after your, your strength training? In the beginning, I sort of programmed it myself, but then I realized that I wanted it more structured. So I have um, a colleague at my work because I was a masseuse for a while. So he's a personal trainer and he's been at a high level in, in boxing in Sweden. So um, and he sort of helped me and made a program for me, which was which was quite cool because it it sort of made it easier to do what I was supposed to do when I got to the gym and I didn't really have to think it through. Cause in the beginning I was like, okay, today I have to do this and this and this. And it took quite a lot of time, like setting everything up and making a schedule or plan in my head. It was much easier when I just got to the gym and knew, okay, I'm going to do this, this and this, and then I'm done. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I would program my strength training for, for myself and I know like it can be hard because mm-hmm. you feel like that, it's like yeah, okay i have i have that i have this plan but then you kind of after two weeks you're kind of like oh well actually maybe i want to change that and then see it's kind of you have to be no i'm going to stick to this so i find i do have to for myself i have to plan four six weeks at a time nearly and sometimes you know and it's nearly i have when i have that those six weeks planned and then i'm, I'm thinking kind of well I, this is what i want for the next one and i have that done like nearly two weeks before I'm going to start that kind of block is like, I need to have that written down. Cause like I have to, like, I have to have it written down and just go, right, no, I'm turning up and this is what I'm doing today and don't change it at all. So no, yeah. it's, it's same here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just, I felt like I needed something that was sort of, yeah, more structured and gave me a plan and sort of a red thread that followed through. So I was actually doing something to get to another point, not just because I knew I needed to do it. It was yeah. sort of towards a goal which made all the difference as well yeah i've even found times that i if i if i don't write down what i'm going to do sometimes it can be very you're open to change it because like it's only in your head you know it's not actually we'll say like nearly set in stone it's like okay well i'm going to i turn up there and i want to do this i'm going to do this i'm going to do this and then kind of a a little bit in you're kind of like actually maybe i'll change this and i'll you you change it around and and you kind of realize is that that wasn't really 
you didn't do anything like what you wanted to do, but you just changed it, you know? So I feel like, yeah, yeah if I need that structure for myself, even like just write it down and it's set in stone and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely need that. Cause I mean, as you said, sometimes if I got to the gym and I just planned something in my head and let's say like the squat rack was busy or something else was somebody else had taken up a space that I wanted to be, I'd just be like, okay, well then I'm not doing that today. And then I'd switch my whole plan. And then yeah. when I went home, I was like, this is not what I was supposed to do. This is nothing to do with what I was training for today. So now I have to do something all over again. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've definitely done that before as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what, what kind of prompted the change from 68 to minus 75? Well, that sort of was after my injury because I got injured after um, the World Championships 2013. Um, uh, I got a bit of an injury. And then uh, after 2014, was what's my last uh, in the 68 I sort of realized that my body was just it wasn't really coping with being at that low of a weight very well and I mean usually I'm around 70 kilos and my body just didn't want to go down to 68 anymore and I was getting more and more pain in like my hips and my knees as I was saying and when I started the strength training I went up to like 71 or 72 and I sort of realized that okay I like my body likes being here and I like eating food. So, and I mean, I'm tall as well. And I was still tall yeah. for being in minus 68, uh, minus 75. So it just felt very natural. And I wanted to, I realized that if I want to keep competing for a while, I need to listen to what my body wants as well. I can't just pick a number in my head and stick to it if, if it's not working for, for my physical health. So then, yeah, 75 seemed like a good, good match. Yeah. Like, like I'd be, I suppose I could say like someone I'd be somebody who maybe cuts quite a lot of weight to get to minus fifty seven, and mm. like it is structured and it is planned that it is done done well, um. But I suppose the last one wasn't done too well. But uh, the the ones before that have been done quite well. Mm. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think there's something that often you have to weigh up is it, what's the benefit of of dropping down versus maybe moving up because like you said you weren't going to be small in minus seventy five so what's the point and if you're not going to be if it's not much of a physical jump like in terms of height and reach and strength and what, what is there a point in in making yourself drop down to 68 if you're if it's not going to benefit your performance no i mean and i felt i felt like as you said i had the reach i had the i was taller than most people except except Maeve, who's taller than i am but that's, that's the first <laughs> and i mean then yeah I, I didn't I didn't see the benefit of having to make make the drop when I could eat and function normally exactly the same way as I do all year round during the season that I compete as well. It's it sort of made everything click and feel better and it made me re relaxed in the ring that I wasn't changing anything too much before a competition I could just keep on doing what I was doing and it felt really good so yeah 75 was a good was a good switch. Yeah. Being able to eat food is always, you know, not having to stop that. That's always a benefit. <laughs> yeah, that's always good. I like food, so. <laughs> and like, uh, who would you say then has been your your, your toughest opponent? If you had to pick a, a toughest opponent. Oh wow! Um, well, yeah. During the competition in Ireland, there, I think Maeve was definitely hard because I'd never, never, ever gone up against anybody who was taller than I am or had longer legs. So I had to switch my tactics up totally because I'm usually, I'm the one that's steering everything, and yeah, um, yeah and I have the, the upper hand because I'm taller and I have a further reach. So that was actually quite hard because I wasn't really, I wasn't prepared for that. And I hadn't really prepared at all for anybody to be taller because I wasn't expecting anybody to be taller or have a further reach. So that was that was harder than than I thought it would be. But also, um, I mean, me and Ursa have had quite a few rounds <laughs> for years. And I mean, in the beginning, I thought it was, yeah, it was because, I mean, she's a bit shorter and I had my tactics that worked. But at the last... Uh, World Championships. She, 
she'd figured something out that made it really hard for me to to switch my tactics, which was yeah, it was weird because I'm usually I'm used to having a plan A, a plan B, and or a plan C that works, but nothing I did worked. So she'd really done her homework, which was also really cool because yeah, I mean I like I'm I'm happy for when my fellow competitors like can achieve goals or when they do well. Even if I don't, I'm happy for other people because, yeah, we're doing it for the same reason. All of us, it's because we love the sports. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you forget sometimes when, when you are coming up with the tactics to, to beat other people, you sometimes forget that they could be coming with tactics to beat you. And then all of a sudden, exactly. your game plan doesn't work. You need a new game plan. <laughs> your game plan is often is based around what that person's going to do. And if they don't do that, then maybe your plan is not the right plan anymore. No, exactly. And I mean, you've been there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember, like, I think it was the maybe the, uh, the European Championships in 2017. I fought um, mm. Rizmar Norbert from Hungary. And yeah, I kind of had an idea how I was going to fight. No, actually, sorry, it was the, the World Championships in 2015 against Rizmar Norbert. I kind of thought, right, well... I have my tactics because I thought he was going to fight a certain way and he didn't. So it was kind of like, oh, well, I have to adjust. And it didn't really go to plan and he, he ended up winning. But the next time then I fought him, it was, it was a much closer fight and it was much closer because I had seen maybe what his idea was going to be. So, mm. so yeah, but like, yeah, definitely being caught once or twice with that, the person doesn't do what you're expecting. They come with their own game plan and it's a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And I mean, I, I find myself sometimes wondering what I could have done to be more prepared. But then I realized that I couldn't because no matter what I'm doing, I'm never going to know what they're doing on their training or yeah, to prepare for their competition. So, I mean, it's, it's always a game of who did their preparation or their tactical work best. <laughs> and I know you, you've said already at the last Euros, you, you didn't compete individually, you just were just coaching. And I know maybe mm. you, touched, you did touch briefly on it and said that you're thinking about opening a club. Is that kind of a, something you're considering much, like a, a route to go down uh, coaching and being an, an instructor in a club, having your own club? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's been a dream of mine for quite long. I've, um, and I mean, I've educated myself so I can work in a club during a day as an osteopath and then uh, having like trainings and and stuff in the in the evening which i think would work out quite great but it's been yeah it's it's definitely a work in process uh, or progress and i mean um i'm i'm talking with a friend of mine who's uh, been a coach up in stockholm for a while who's going to move back down to gothenburg where i live and we're thinking about opening up a club together maybe next year because yeah it, we were supposed to do it this fall but i don't think we're going to do it now with everything that's happening in the world so we'll wait until till next year but I, I actually enjoyed it, yeah. Myself and so I can open the club myself, and then all of this kind of kicked mm. off. It's going to throw in a bit of a spanner in the works, but like that, hopefully, when it uh, when it all ties over, I could be be ready to go. Yeah, no, I think I think that'd be fun to like share my experiences and help other people achieve their goals, and just share share the passion and the sport, which is cool. Because I mean, I've always thought that if you start taekwondo, you're not really, and you like fall for it like we've done and you just really get stuck you're not gonna quit just because you can't compete anymore so you're just gonna find a new way to enjoy it and I mean that was actually quite cool when I was um, at the Euros last year because I mean I didn't I didn't expect it to be so much fun just coaching but uh, it turned out that that really yeah I could get hooked on that as well so it was nice <laughs> yeah it's different when as I say, it's hard when you're you're a coach or you're sitting back watching, and it's not like a playing the PlayStation. It's not a computer game where you can press the button and they do the technique that you want them to do. When you have to, you know, give the instruction and they have to, you know, process the instruction, make that see what you're telling them and actually make it happen. It's it's quite hard, you know, especially when you when you're standing on the outside and you can see what they need to do, and it's it's just not getting there. And it, it, it's a different type of thing, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, sometimes I was just like frustrated but sort of in a good way because it made me want to push them further as well but uh i found myself wanting to jump into the ring and sort of doing things for them at times it's like okay wait i'm gonna show you like this is what i mean 
but you can't really do that either because <laughs> that's not how it works so yeah <laughs> yeah and like i've had it like people always are laughing at me when my, when my sister goes to spare because uh, I nearly get more worked up that and I, I, I nearly sweat more and I'm more, I'm more animated like when I'm sparing I'm, all, I'm much more relaxed because it's like well I know I'm in mm. control like that when, you, when you're not in control of the other person and it, it, it's much more difficult it definitely is yeah I mean I'm, I'm the same way with um, a few of the people from my club that, that yeah. I coached in the years and I mean I've trained them from like when they were juniors and I've helped them all the way up and then they go into the ring and I'm like okay I'm, I'm more stressed because I know I know how much it means to them and I know I can't do anything to control the outcome and it just makes me so nervous it makes me so much more nervous than I've ever been for myself and it's it's cool but it's weird <laughs> yeah so that's what but I feel that's why that's kind of adds to the the feeling then when when the person is is successful it's kind of like you know you, you have that enjoyment of it they got to achieve but then maybe you 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 didn't have total control so it adds to that yeah yeah no it's 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 yeah as i said it's a cool cool feeling and but just before we finish off i've been asking everybody uh, who would you say is your your favorite fighter all time doesn't necessarily i don't know if you have an interest in boxing or mma or other combat sports so if you do you could mm. pick maybe somebody like that or if it's not if not if it's just a taekwondo fighter and um, mm. would you say is your favorite fighter well i've always had um or taken inspiration from a swedish fighter actually whose name is panila Johansson, and she she wasn't she was doing taekwondo before uh and she um she won like a European championship and stuff like that. And she was also working as a police, but then she went over to Thai boxing and she won the world championships and that as well. And I just thought that was really cool because she proved that you could do, do more things than just one with hard work. And I just always thought that was really, really inspirational and cool. Plus she's a great person. And I mean, she's always been really, really nice to be when I met her and she was just my, my biggest like idol when I was small. So yeah, Penny La Johansson from Sweden. <laughs> Would you consider trying kickboxing or MMA or uh, Thai boxing yourself? I or did you a bit of kickboxing when uh, a few years back as extra training, but I didn't really compete in it because there were these rules in the Swedish national team, and the competitions would just like not work out with those rules. But um, I did that for a while, and that's really fun. And then my sister does a bit of uh, kickboxing and she has a few Thai boxers in the club as well so I've trained a bit with them and I was in Thailand a few years back and did that for a month and a half so uh, yeah I definitely consider doing other sports as well because I think you can always learn more and that's what I like about martial arts that's like you're never finished learning there's always new things you could try uh, new sports new elements of the one that you're already in so it's just you continue learning throughout your whole your whole life yeah yeah definitely agree there i think that's a maybe a good place to to finish up and um, really enjoyed the chat uh, it was great yeah, to have you too thank you uh, for having me i know thanks for coming on and uh like that uh, hopefully we'll uh we'll be back training and teaching and all that fairly soon well i suppose maybe i hope so you're not, you're not a you're not totally affected but hopefully it does it hopefully you will be continue to be able to to train and and keep teaching and stuff and hopefully we'll get back to it and it won't this won't uh, drag on too long no i hope i hope it's over soon so everybody can get back to doing what we love <laughs> and we can maybe get a world cup in <laughs> yeah hopefully <laughs> yeah so uh, uh stay safe and uh we'll uh I'll talk to you soon yeah talk to you soon bye <laughs> bye